0: Hello and welcome to Strat Hack, a new podcast series that aims to dig deep into the art of strategy and decision making. Hosted by me, Sarah Holland, and me, Amelia Turode, we're the two founders of the Thornbreak Collective, an award-winning brand consultancy based in London but working all over the world. In each episode, we lift the lid on a company or individual who inspires us, talking with them about the decisions they've made and the strategic process they've gone through to achieve success.
1: Then we identify and highlight the key brand lessons and marketing learnings which we believe will be applicable to businesses anywhere.
0: Before asking ourselves and you the really tough question, so what are we now going to do differently? On today's episode, we're joined by serial entrepreneur, William Chase. Famous for being the man who brought posh crisps to the UK with the brand Tyrrells, he was also at the forefront of the artisanal spirit trend with his vodka and gin products under the brand Chase Distilleries, recently sold to Diageo, and is now the proud founder of Willie's Wellness, a UK leader in the world of gut health, through his incredible range of fermented drinks such as kombucha and the most delicious apple cider vinegar, we can all testify to that, from the amazing apple orchards in Hereford. Welcome to Shat Hat, Will. It's a delight to have you on the show.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for asking me. It's a pleasure to be here talk about uh, the fine art of fermenting. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Let's start there. Let's start with your latest company. Just really keen for you to tell us a little bit more about Willie's Wellness and really how it started, what you produce and why you think it matters. But also within that, we know from kind of being able to chat to you before recording this episode today that actually part of the story of the company and the story of kind of that health and wellness journey is also your story to a certain extent. So just, yeah, can you tell us kind of how how we ended up uh, here today having this conversation?
2: I started out as a farmer, always wanted to be a farmer, grew up on a farm, enjoyed the sort of the good life, the fact of being with the soil, the smell of the seasons the whole life and with parents of true farmers and helping my mother sort of preserve things and pickling to fermenting wines to the whole seasons it was that's I guess that's what's probably sort of set me up and started my my life as an interest in it having the ups and downs and the problems with that through to building Tyrrell's potato chips as a potato farmer and then from that turning my potatoes into spirits for a sort of chase distillery when we started fermenting them it, it, it was a great journey and I think this, this is my sort of third chapter in life now and this has come basically from everything I've learned from fermenting the sort of fine art of fermenting vegetables and plants into spirits it's it's a fantastic place and so my own health and my own age has also taken me to a place in life where I've probably not been the best I probably you know I've probably drunk more alcohol than probably I should have done or the wrong things and eaten the wrong things and And so I'm on this sort of mission now, this to champion healthy live food and and try and share what I've learned in my life from being a farmer, conventional farmer, producing um, fried snacks and distilling spirits through to now fermenting live, healthy, gut health food. So it's there are sayings, we've all grown up with them and we, they've been around us all the time, things like you are what you eat and mm. your health is your wealth. And I think when you're younger and you're plowing through life, it's probably not quite for my generation, probably not quite as apparent. But what's really inspiring about this business is the next generations now are really keen on saving the, saving the world and doing something about it. So it's a really, really interesting place there to be. So it's, it's putting all that in, into space where we are today it's the whole conversion from losing the sugar tone to not wanting sugar. So I think society mm-hmm. is so reliant on sugar today with a few key points that I've learned industrial processed sugar, how bad it's for you, not just because of the, the calories. I think people are so misled with calories that calories are units of energy. They, they mustn't be frowned on. We need calories. If we didn't have calories, if we didn't have energy, we couldn't even get out of bed in the morning. So, my probably part of my mission now with this brand is to try and focus more on the awareness i've been using things like oat milk relieving that it's probably a better replacement for milk but when you actually look at it it's got all other sorts of naughty stuff in it that is not good for your gut at all Mm -hmm. you're probably better off just using milk anyway people aren't really sure if they're lactose intolerant and there's there's so much going on at the moment that people are so confused with food um, I, I think there's, there's, it's a really interesting time to be a sort of, and with the whole thing from farming to farming with a soil microbiome becomes so apparent now with sustainability, being able to farm without the reliance on artificial fertilisers and chemicals to be able to farm naturally with us keeping the soil mi- in microbiome in good condition and that going straight through to your gut health. So learning all of that, it's sort of almost as much as a, as a career for me now than it is... Um, A chapter probably the most exciting thing I've done in my life as a farmer to have discovered this area.
0: I want to just actually go back to the the link back to farming and actually some of what you've discovered in this journey are some of those I think your point's really interesting about the narrative now you know just how much noise there is around certain parts of this conversation but actually what what you discovered was the old orchards you discovered that heritage of the mother and where that was in, in the past. I'm just really interested to kind of see if, if strikes me that part of how you're trying to navigate through some of the kind of the, the modern noise is actually to focus people back on some of those things. As you say, the old kind of adages of you are what you eat and the importance of soil and where things come from, just what was your own journey like to almost kind of realise that you were coming back full circle to the kind of the, the origins in the history of farming um, in terms of your kind of family and
2: your background? Yeah, I think that's, that's a fantastic point. And it's it's all about the living with the elements. And probably in the last, since the last war, in the last or certainly the last 60 years, until 60, 70 years ago, all food was organic. We didn't have all these artificial fertilisers and we didn't have chemicals and all food. they just... So the last 60 years, we've gone to this people's desire. Probably one of the worst things for you at the moment is this white slice, especially being British, is this awful white slice chemical bread that we've got into. Mm. There were different brands of all sorts of ways of marketing it, but that is really, really bad food compared to now people who understand the benefits of live cultures and having soda bread and actually having real whole grains instead of these modern varieties of cereals that have just ground up and just a load of gluten and, and nothing else. So it's it's the whole evolution of taking things back to basics, which is it's really on trend now. So I'm taking all that together. I've learned how important it is to have a balanced diet. And and probably one of the other sad things that I've learned is all these fads of diets that we go through. It's like, at the moment we've got keto and then we've got, mm. you know, we've had Atkins, we've had different diets. People think, gosh, shall I, shall I give up this? And, and shall I give up that? What shall I, what's good for me? What's bad for me? And so, no foods are bad. All foods are food. But obviously, we all know that vegetables, live foods, live fermented foods are good for us. And so it's, it's having the balance and it's actually eating the right things. And I think the whole food world, the one thing I've learned from the whole journey is the whole food world today has been led by large food companies that have just focused on getting sugar into things, even porridge. You pick up a packet of porridge on the shelf today and just look how much sugar, and there shouldn't be any sugar in porridge just have a look how much sugar is in it or, or what's in the ingredients and from social media everything all brands are built on social media now but one of the most inspiring parts as well is the younger audience they're probably mostly female but the discoverers are now beginning to pick up on they're looking at the back of pack and they're beginning to see what's actually in that product so it's a big thing that's coming now probably you should put the ingredients on the front of every product so you can see what's in it but it's really inspiring to me to see the interest in the public of actually what's in ingredients and things aren't hidden. So the understanding that it, it, you are basically what you eat. If you eat the right food, you will stand a better chance. And this whole thing today with sort of mental health, mental wellness, it all starts with the food you eat. Your brain is your second gut. Your gut is your second brain, sorry. So if you look after your gut, you've got a healthy gut. You'll be, You'll be a lot better prepared upstairs than you will be if you're eating all the wrong stuff.
1: I love the idea of putting the ingredients on on the front, not on the back. It's, it's funny thing. it's all those things that we've just sort of got into these kind of unthinking habits. That it's kind of in small letters on the back yes. that you need to kind of either put on glasses or take off glasses if you're kind of you know old, like I was going to say us, but that's a bad thing. but, but actually, you're completely right, which is we, we need to flip all of that. Well, one of the things as you were you were talking, it, it really kind of strikes both Sarah and I that you seem to have this amazing knack. Of kind of foresight, of kind of looking out at the world, you've kind of you've got these kind of I don't know cultural, you've got these antennae that just kind of goes. This is going to be a something, whether it was kind of you know posh crisps back in the day or the sort of artisanal, sort of locally produced spirits, and now uh, you're completely right. This kind of this trend of sort of mental health and wellness and gut health, but I was kind of really interested in how you think you find that kind of inspiration because you obviously have it you've obviously got real kind of foresight but but you know where where do you think you you kind of get your inspiration and your ideas for business from?
2: I, I think the thing that's probably inspired me most of all was probably setting up Tyrrells in 2001 as potato farmer and potato trader that's where I'd sort of ended up in life and I wasn't in the happiest place or so I sort of sandwiched between farmers and supermarkets trying to put them both together and make money out, and growing potatoes myself as a producer. One day I had the idea to make crisps. And I think the thing that inspired me most of all at that time was in, I had the idea in October, 2021, and by April, 2022, I'd emptied the shed of potatoes out and I got a fully functional working crisp factory with a brand with four flavors in six months. And even to this date that I find that quite amazing that I could do it in such a short time. And I think that that inspired me. But in that journey, in that six months, I spent a lot of time traveling around the world looking for the equipment. I went to America, spent a lot of time in America and looking for the equipment. And it was dealing with different cultures. You realize nobody's like us. And then subsequently, since then, from building Tyrrells and then to building Chase Distillery, probably the most inspirational areas for me recently has probably been Melbourne. I'd say if you wanted to be inspired the most of all about food and drink, go to Melbourne because they don't have... It's sort of a very young, vibrant, new culture when anything goes. So you've got the melting part of the whole world that's in there with all different stars from Italian, Asian through to you know Western. It's it's phenomenal. The food and the innovation, and and, and there's no book of rules there. Everything's all mixed up from French cuisine to... So today, that would be probably one of the most inspiring places. In between there and here is, is obviously Hong Kong, Singapore, places like that, which, which are quite phenomenal places to visit and then i would say probably one of the most inspiring or trend-setting places you say in the world in the last 20 years has probably been west coast america has been california because they've got silicon valley and because they've got the films and and so all of these trends whether it's kombucha it's fermented foods it's avocados on on wholemeal. whole meal <laughs> Um, soda bread for your breakfast or whatever, it, it all started in it, it seems to start there and it seems to spread from there so it's, it's, it's So it's travelling around the world seeing all those different cultures now there's a massive move now with fermenting, obviously it's, it's a very Asian thing and so things like kimchi sauerkraut and all the best probiotic foods, miso, it all started over there in the art of and, and this, this didn't come about as a trend and this is why I think fermenting is the new baking And so baking is is you're preparing food, If you're cooking, you're preparing food. If you're fermenting, you're you're making food either last and you're making it digestible. So you're doing two things in one go. And so digestion, nutrition is top of the list for us. And and so Asia probably would be one of the best places. And when you look at the health records of most Asian people, how they live and how they've lived, from live probiotic foods i have probably done far better than everybody in the west where they've invented sugar and and all this awful stuff that's gone with it so it's it's that that's probably inspired me the most is traveling around and then i've i've had a lot of fun traveling around the world and looking at all these trends and how things work and the world today is a far more smaller place than when i started Terrell's 20 years ago and it's it's just fascinating to see with social media now. Everybody's almost all on the same page, and it's it's with all of the hardship and the things that have gone on in the last two or three years. It's it's quite interesting how social media has covered it, and it's almost nothing's a secret, is it? That everything is all, if you want access to it, you, you've got it all there. So, I think that's that's really inspired me, and then one of the main things that's inspired me is the appetite and the interest of the next generations coming along with their hunger, that they, they actually want to save the planet now. Probably 20, 30 years ago, people thought it was all going to finish in one day and they weren't really bothered about it. But now there seems to be a definite, from Bear Grylls or whatever you're talking about, there seems to be a definite positive angle that we can we can reverse things and we can save it. And, and everybody is very focused, which is, which is fantastic. And all this comes back to human health. And the most important thing is the, is the food we eat. So... That's why I'm finding this mission so exciting because it's it's right up my line as being a farmer, producing, growing and producing something that is actually healthy and good. And, and, and it's the whole, all our farm now, we're all organic, we're actually biodynamic. And it's, it's something I could never have done when I was growing food to feed to supermarkets. So I couldn't afford to have done that because of the yield difference and, yeah. and because of guaranteeing a quality and a product for the modern industrial processed foods. But now it's great. And it's the the amount of conversion that people that are learning about soil microbiome and farming sustainably has, is also very inspiring. So we've also got, we've got probably two sides to our story now. The one side is the farming, is the education and the understanding on soil, live soil microbiome, actually growing healthy food, right through to preparing it, fermenting it, and and how you can look after your gut with eating the right food.
0: You talk a lot there about, mission there's a lot of kind of within that story and within your wider story about see a problem solve the problem there's a there's a triumph over adversity kind of narrative that comes in that but there's also just a very practical x happens so I need to do y the result is z and actually kind of quite conversely to you know endless books you might read on kind of leadership or kind of business leadership. Actually, that sounds like it comes quite naturally to you. It does to a lot of people who we kind of speak to, who are like yourself, that kind of serial entrepreneur, which is just, I see a problem, I turn it into an opportunity, I create a solution, mission orientated, but very sort of driven. Do you feel there was always that, you know, born or created do you feel that you were sort of always destined to kind of take that forward there's an interesting thing there that you sort of touched on a little bit that I'd like to pull on about uh, almost inheriting the family business and inheriting the farm because that was kind of been generational there was a struggle that kind of went within that eventually you buying back the family farm and some of those kind of moments just at, at any point did you feel that it it wasn't for you was it difficult or were you always kind of driven and you knew that you would kind of achieve those, what have now been, this is, as you say, your third kind of mission almost from a business perspective?
2: Yeah, and that's, that's a fantastic point. And, and I, I do think that about it because you quite often get the case when people try and overanalyse are people born or are they made or, you know. But I do think, I do think probably in my life, probably growing up on a farm and starting as a farmer, one of the most underestimated occupations in the world is a farmer if you're going to be a successful farmer you have to first of all be good at business you have to understand how to balance your books and how to get money or how to use the money and in a business that gives such a poor return on money no sensible person would get into it in the first place so that's the first criteria being a farmer the second one is you have to be you have to understand husbandry and in farming you can't learn it from a book you have to feel it you have to know and you have to do things before they need doing because If you miss it, you've missed it for a year. If you miss to do something to your crops or look after them or water them or your livestock and it all goes wrong, you've missed it for a whole crop and you have to wait for another year. So in agriculture, you cannot afford to miss a day. You have to be so well organized and the best farmers are looking after their farm. Like somebody tends a beautiful garden or so. I think it's and you have to be good at mechanics. You have to understand mechanics and machinery and how things work. You have to understand the whole science of of the business, and you have to a be able to be good to trade, to so buy things, how to sell things. So, if you put all these qualities of a farmer, and most farmers can work very well on their own, but they struggle when they get to a certain size and they can't delegate and they can't let go to other people. So, but a family farm with a family farmer is such probably one of the most underestimated people for being. You know, because I've seen it with, say, Terrells. We started as a small family farm and we grew. And then once you've got, say, over 100 people working for you, you've got lots of little departments. So you've got somebody on the farm and you've got somebody who's looking after mechanics and you've got somebody who's doing production, something in logistics and some in PR, some in marketing. And suddenly you've got all these people that just come to work and look after their little sector and they're not doing the whole thing. So it's in answer to your question now, I think it's, it's being able to multitask. And that's probably some ways, to me, that's probably my downfall because you can clutter your brain up with so many things. You can get so busy. You know, I get people saying to me, well, what what do you want to build a factory for? Why don't you just get somebody else to do all that and just do the branding and marketing like most brands with any sense do and just sort of slap B Corp on it or something and show that you've looked as if you've had a go at ticking the boxes. But I think there's nothing better than a true brand. If you look at Tabasco, the way they grow those chilies and their story and the years behind it, how they make that. They couldn't outsource that. You get Liam Perrin sauce, how they make that and they ferment it. You've got some fantastic food brands in the world that just couldn't go out and get somebody else to do it for them or sell it on Twee stories. That's well funded did smoothies and they did it with sort of nannies knitting hats and things and great stories, but there was there was no real fabric behind it. So I think a brand, especially no more than today, and especially if you're going to make something that's healthy for people, it's good for mm. people, and you want to start talking about ingredients and I think there's never been a better time for sort of transparency. So so I'm probably waffling there now, but, but in your <laughs> in answer in answer to your question there, yes, I think I think adversity and and putting yourself in those positions actually makes you because when things went wrong for me as a farmer and I had to let go most of it and start again. I was actually in hospital for a few weeks with a paralyzed back, I'd hurt myself. And when I came out and got started again. I started with about fifteen thousand pounds. So it was it was quite it was it was quite mm. a shock to mm. suddenly start losing the whole inheritance thing and starting again was was quite a challenge. But I think it's but in answer to your question, if I wasn't put in that position and I just inherited it and I could just mosey along, I think I think I probably would have done. I would have taken an yeah. easier route.
0: And your ability to clearly be able to see short term priorities and long-term vision to build on your multitasking point sounds as well and again we hear this from lots of people similar to yourself who've had these who've developed and built these successful businesses but from a position of you know a problem to solve or a challenge to overcome is actually it's it's sort of beyond multitasking it's being able to see the two you know see the long term and the short term at the same time to be able to see the top and the bottom almost simultaneously is a real gift that you clearly have that um, I think it it could often be, must be quite difficult to be able to recognise once you, when you're in it and you are that person.
1: I would agree. I'm going to just, I'm just going to jump in. I mean, I think it's amazing. Well, you know, when you talk about, you go back to the beginning and, you know, potato farming and actually, you know, being squeezed so much by the big supermarkets. But, you know, what you could have done is you could have walked away and said, there's no future in this, this isn't the life for me. But what you did was you, you found multiple different ways for the products that you produce it you know whether it was the crisps at the beginning or into into vodka and now with with the apple juice and the vinegars and the kombuchas I mean it's and, and I agree with Sarah it doesn't feel like multitasking it almost feels like kind of layers of a fabulous sandwich which are all kind of building up together and it you know it feels like it's you know when people talk about multitasking often the feeling is that you're kind of skipping and jumping from one thing to another and it doesn't feel like you're skipping and jumping everything feels like it's rooted and grounded but building on something that's come before so it's funny I'm not sure that either Sarah or, or I would use the kind of descriptor of kind of multitasking because it doesn't doesn't feel like that properly describes the businesses that you've done and created and how they fit together
2: it's it's the focus people keep providing me of focus and I think the more you do the faster it goes and the more and the more you want to do and I, I think education today it's just It's so easy to switch your computer on whatever you want to learn about. It's just if you want to learn all about the microbiome or lactobacillus in fermenting live foods, you could you could learn. You could be an expert on it in 10 or 15 minutes. You can have all the basics. So without having to go to the library. So I think in my instance, it is But I feed off more and more information. So one of the most interesting things on that point, on that subject is people. And so and and there's a question before people born or made. And I probably didn't really realize how good a team or how important the people were. If you'd asked me about Tyrells before I'd sold it, I said, oh, we had the best service, we had the best product, and we had a fantastic. But then it was only afterwards I really realized how good the people were. And if you can get people to all work together on one level, all together as a team, and respect and love and be kind to each other and help each other out, it's it's phenomenal what people can do. And and nobody in Tyrells, there were no experts. They were all local guys, and they all came in. And they went, but they just they loved the business and they soon picked up their job, whether it was cooking or whether it was distribution or whether it was a farm or or packing or flavours or PR marketing. And, and so that was that was probably, in my life, that's been probably the most, they say you don't realise what you've got until you haven't. And that was probably one of the things with that team that I, I just think it was incredible to have people that all get on together. And, they, and you don't have to be experts. And so... And what I've been learning in the last few days, especially, is I think the most important character in us all is personality, is our, is because our, they say there's three things in people. The one thing is a, a, a drive and ambition. The second thing is intellect, however you, whether it's an exam results or common sense or whatever. And the other one is charisma and character. And, and I think it's, it is obviously a, a mould of everything altogether, but the most important thing is between that charisma, character, and, your ambition, your want to get out of bed in the morning and go and do something and, and and deal with things and and to get on with others with your with your character. So it, it's a fun, it's a it's fascinating what we can all do if we're if we're inspiring each other and we can we can inspire each other to do those things.
1: Well, when you talk, it's so obvious that it's deeply personal. All the businesses have been very personal, and you know, I, one of the things that Sarah and I were thinking about when we were sort of preparing this interview was thinking about the, you know, the, the first brand was Tyrrell's, which was that name that was named after Tyrrell's Court, the original family yeah. farm, is that right?
2: It was. It was either gonna be Chase's chips or Tyrrell's chips, Tyrrell's potato chips. And then I just looked at the sign one day and the font it was, and I thought, well, we'll just stick that on the packets. And that's, that's how it came. And it's sort of, there were no brand experts. There was nothing. It just came along and people loved it because they couldn't spell it properly. So they called it squirrels. Little young guys called it squirrels or, <laughs> and there was either one L or, so it was quite good to have, that was quite quirky. And then that was, and I think you do make your own luck. And that was good. I think the quality from the local people, because we had local ladies in the village used to cook all the chips to start with. And it's be so painful because if they didn't like them. If they weren't 100, they chuck them all in a bin. I say, no, there's nothing wrong. Oh no, they're not good enough. We're going to make these. So there was such an implicit from everybody that worked in Tyrells. There was such that you can't do too much for your customers, and you can never make however good you make something, you can't make it good enough. And so, and that's probably the farmer in me, always wanting to improve and grow better and healthier crops. And and so, yeah, I think that's that's a that's a very good and i think if you try your best and you get something right and everybody in the business tries to get it right it will it will be right because i think the one thing i've learned in my life if you if you try and get something perfect you'll probably end up with it somewhere near if you're a little bit sloppy and you just try and get it somewhere near it'll never be anywhere near it'll always be us there's so many factors in this world that try and spoil things that it's that it's that aiming to get and, and and inspiring others to all join in because I think the best people that I've worked with have probably been doing it because they love the job and they, they're not doing it for money. The best people probably don't even want to go home because they're enjoying the job and they don't have a song's praise or a heartbeat moment on a Sunday night and they're not looking forward to work on a Monday because they're looking forward to it and they're thinking what they're going to do and you spend too much of your life at work not to enjoy it. I
0: guess as you um, as you start to think about a little bit of what's next, it sounds like you've got still got quite a lot of unfinished business with fermentation let's say and you're still on that mission and there's it sounds like you feel like there's more of that education piece to do just really keen to kind of hear what what are those next steps or even in your in the back of your mind do you think you've got another business left in you or do you think that this is this is this real focus now um and you want to kind of take that further
2: yeah I think this is the holy grail I think it's being a farmer and being um a food manufacturer and a brand and everything together. I'm probably myself in life. I was ill last year and I had a huge operation. And luckily, I got through it all. And I'm and, and when you have things like that, you, you actually realize that every day is a lifetime. We're so lucky to be alive every day. And it's and but the trouble is you go taking lots of businesses and you take lots of work on you've got all the stress and all of the anguish to, to get it all rolling and working, but I do think it's, this is, I wouldn't want to, I think with this one, I've found a product since I met the mother and and I've lost a lot of weight. I've lost four stone myself. I can run now. I couldn't run before. I learned all about arthritis and about controlling your blood sugars. I've I've severely reduced my cholesterol. I could run now. I couldn't run. I start, tried to start running a few years ago. I could only do 15 metres, and I thought I was going to fall over and, and, and not survive. And uh, and now I can run a couple of miles, and I'm my joints and things. And so it's not a miracle cure, but it's like a catalyst. It's learning that if you can eat the right food and you can mentally get yourself geared up right, I think that's the most important thing. So since I had that last year, the, the, one of the other things that – and it's quite an emotional thing selling a business, especially if you sell a business with your name on it. And I don't do things by house. My sad thing is if I do something, I like to put 100% plus everything I've got into it. So when you sell it, it is like your baby. It is like your child. And it's like letting go. And it was probably a lot harder to let go of Tyrrells than it was to let go of, of the distillery. But I got another new thing to go to, so another new or whatever you call it or another new passion but this time to answer to your question i've got a product now that that is good for your gut it's a good catalyst it's probably the best healthy gut healthy food the thing you could take every day you know i'm not into pills and potions but we've had years and years of vitamins and mineral pills and you have a few of these every morning and bits of that we have some gummies that is just total rubbish or that's all fiction you've got to have real live food you've got to get your nutrition and to be have good digestion, you've got to buy it from good life, proper food. So I think with this, you've got the gut health. The second thing, you've got the mental health. I think with good gut health, there goes, there's a line between our gut and our brain called the vagus tract. So it's easy to say to give up drinking or to cut back or whatever, but if you can take as many toxins out and you want to keep your brain working and you want to keep it smart. I think it was something like in prohibition in America that Henry Ford said that if all the Ford Motor Company people hadn't drunk, he reckoned they would have got another 35 percent output.
1: Amazing. I have to say both Sarah and I have been so so inspired by getting to know you and, and, and also your products as well. Can you tell people where can they buy? Where can they buy um, the kombucha, the apple cider vinegar? Um, where, where, where can they get Willie's Wellness products?
2: Well, everybody can buy them direct from the farm. So we've got our own web shop and we've got our own web shop we're developing. And that that's that's a great way of serving because we make so many different fermented products now. But the main focus key lines, like say, say like the vinegar, is the original ACV. That's available in Sainsbury's Waitrose. All quality independents from anybody who basically respects farmers who have got a good understanding for 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 what they're selling really
1: what's the url of the of the um uh, of the website will because i think you you're, you're you're right you've spoken before about um the importance of being able to sell direct and actually building that business so well, what what should people look for online
2: it's willy'sacd.com. willysacv.com so if you go to Willie'sacv, you will look, find it on there and it's, it's it's a fascinating place because today it's all digital everything today is it obviously is digital isn't it it's um digital is the future it's a job to see where it's all going to go to because obviously since covid everybody can buy there's there's a big surge now to go to buy direct and to buy online look you wouldn't you wouldn't have believed it if somebody said to you 10 years ago that you could have a toothbrush at nine o'clock in the morning and by 9 30 the same van could probably be bringing you the toothpaste to go in it as well so it's um no and the other good thing about dealing direct is you can communicate with your customers they, if they've got a problem or they want to tell you and the best way to find out about your product is to talk to your customers that's one of the main things i've learned if you listen to your customers what they want and their feedback that's probably more that probably helps us things like tills and with the distillery and especially with willies it's amazing now that the people that come back and say well i've been on it and i've tried it and we've just launched one now it's a 60-day dose challenge where if somebody tries it they buy a whole case and if they can do it for 60 days because officially if you do something for 60 days apparently it becomes a habit have you read the original book
1: Sarah we need to do the 60-day challenge
2: if you do the same thing every day for 60 days it should stick and you should be able to it's like if you give up something just for January it's not long enough
0: Will you've inspired us that's 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 got to start Sarah I have one final question. It's a very quick one, hopefully, but I, I I need to take this opportunity to be able to ask an actual expert. So on the side of my Willie's ACV bottle is, contains the mother. And I always look for it whenever I buy lots of products, fermented products, live products. But I'm not 100% sure, confession time, I know exactly what the mother is. So given that I have an expert in front of me right now and I'm sure people listening will also kind of it's the it's the kind of thing that we say but I'm not sure anyone 100% understands what it is so can you please give me confession moment confession moment can you please give me what exactly is the mother and why is it so important
2: that's a fantastic question that's probably the key question and the first thing I had to learn and when I started fermenting cider into vinegar I learned that all mothers are different so if I went to another farm up the road, it's got a different mother on it, and I took my or I took my cider to another cider vinegar maker, there'd be the war of the mothers. So the mother is your own bacteria. So the mother bacteria on this farm has been here for over three hundred years. Wow. So We've got the that's why we've got a three hundred year old mother. So that's the first thing is that all mothers are different. If you made scoby and you made some kombucha, you'd have a different bunch of mother, all of that cellulose, the mother floating on the top. That's yours. And if you took it to somebody else's, there'd be a war, and you put it in with somebody else's kombucha, there'd be a war of the mothers. So one of the mothers would have to win first before. So all mothers are different. The mother is just simply the bacteria, it's the strands. And the first thing I learned with cider vinegar when I got into it, and most mother products, and everybody can be unpasteurized and raw and unfiltered, but all mothers are different. So the one thing we do with this is we ferment this and we make it to 6% acidity. So six percent acidity, whether you put it on your hair or you use it on your skin or you use it internally, is kind, and the mother stays alive. So the trouble with this, when we made this, is our mother she's lively and she's feisty and she's alive. Now if you buy a supermarket or big common brands of cider vinegar, they're, they're down to nine percent acidity, and the mother dies over seven. So you'll see the mother in the bottom because quite often they're in transparent bottles, but the mother's sadly dead. She's just dust all floating around in the bottom so she's in there but she's dead she's not alive the trouble with this this is why i have a brown bottle because she's like me we like to keep her in the dark and so in this brown bottle hopefully she goes but that's why we have only a two to three year shelf life because she would last for 10 years but after it's had three or four years she grows that much she starts to get into quite a big sort of solid matter so the mother it's it's all about a real live natural mother so don't just take the word mother for it. Insist that it's actually a live mother and it's uh, it's not taken above six percent acidity. But all these large supermarket producer brands and these large brands of cider vinegar, they can't that's the way they have to do it. They have to take it to make sure it's safe and it's it it ticks all the not that this isn't safe, but it's it's to take it to their process the way they can manage it. So it's heavily filtered and it's it's it has a high acidity. So I'm probably getting too boring now, but the most of the mother is have a life.
1: What a great question, sir. I love it. I love the idea about the war of the mothers and all
2: mothers are different. We thought that people get cross and upset if they saw a big lump of mother floating around in their drinks or whatever they're making. But actually, we get more complaints. People say, well, I don't think I've got enough mother in mind. So that's that's quite a phenomenal um, point that and we had this Robert with Tyrell, you know, once, once we started the design company, we'd have the flavours and bits in the bottom of the packets. And when you get more coffee, say, oh, you can't have that. It's all got to be stuck on with emulsions. And like the spirits, you can't have sediment in your bottles. It's got to be totally filtered. And what's lovely about this business is having something that it's all natural and we just, we don't filter it and we make it and it's got everything is in the bottle and it, she's alive and she's growing. So that that's my secret with the mother is to have a lie, insist that it's a live mother. And the way you tell a live mother is just tip it into a clear glass of water. And if it's just dust, it'll just go cloudy. But if it's a live mother, you'll see live strands swimming around in there.
1: The secret of the mother, Sarah. Who knew? Like I thought that you and I were pretty, pretty good on this stuff, but we were not. We were never
0: not. have I ever been so happy to have asked the burning question that was in my mind. I tell you honestly. Well, thank you for that answer, and thank you for your time today, and for sharing your story. And we look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today.
2: And, and anybody listening, please get in touch. We'd love to send you a love to send you a sample, and the more the more people who love and find the mother and follow the mother and understand the real life mother, the better. I think this is a, this is a fantastic mission to be on.
0: Brilliant. Thanks so much, Will.
2: Thank you guys. It's been a pleasure.
0: Well, that was a wild ride of a, a conversation in particular. I think, uh, one of my key takeouts is definitely going to be the phrase War of the Mothers, which sounds like a sort of prequel for Game of Thrones. <laughs> what a brilliant discussion. What an amazing human. So much to take out. I think I'll start with, I think probably the some of the component parts of the brand and the business, really, actually, that I just think are so timely to be coming together. If we think about that whole conversation around purpose with a punch, the microbiome, both sort of internal and at large, we think about how we connect to the soil, the, your gut is your second brain, the food we eat and how that links to sustainability, his ability and the brand's ability to help you navigate through the modern noise to kind of build on heritage but look to the future and even some of that wider piece about processed sugar and health and sort of busting a few myth- myths about kind of wider so-called health product and healthy food. For me, that whole point of connection, having a brand that's built on connection, as I said, you know, whether that's connecting our gut to our brain, connecting us to the sort, it just all feels like a real moment for this brand to kind of come to like come to the fore, come to kind of popularity, all of those things. It's making me think about how, um, and we often talk about this, how you need, you sort of need your moment of truth as well as kind of all your product, brand and kind of cultural truths. It really feels like he is almost unaware, but hyper aware of how all of those things are coming together. I love the fact that he isn't, 20 something founder who has is meeting a trend, all of those points of connection actually come from a real point of kind of authenticity and experience, and it means something personal to him, which is why I think you can feel it in the brand and you can feel it in how he talks, you can feel it in the products when you hold them in your hands. We've both sampled these (laughs) and have done, you know, kind of taken that challenge. I think it definitely makes me reflect on how you have to have all of those things. If I think about we'd had this conversation with him 10 years ago, we couldn't have because none of those discussions, whether that be about sustainability, whether that be about farming and agriculture, whether that be around mental health even to cause the link to gut health. never mind the kind of you know nobody was talking about the gut, but mental health wasn't even a discussion that we were looking to kind of connect anything meaningful and sort of in our day-to-day it was still very behind closed doors um I found his focus but also sort of unaware just how (laughs) timely some of this stuff is just really fascinating really really fascinating
1: no I agree and it made me reflect as well one of the positive takeouts of the last two years um in terms of the rise of kind of DTC brands and especially in our first series, when we talked about uh, we talked to Chalkstream,
0: yeah,
1: um, from yeah. Hampshire, the 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 trout the trout farmers, and and this interview made me think about how transformational that will be for food producers, uh, for people to be able to buy direct from the farm. And when he talked about um not having the intermediaries of the supermarkets that that actually he can have a conversation and talk and learn and listen to consumers, and that actually the little dosing drinks that he talked about yeah. the apple cider vinegar uh, the with with apple juice and honey and turmeric and that came out of a conversation of, of listening to what consumers wanted and uh, and actually how much easier it is and to 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 be able to have those kind of direct relationships is to your point about. A kind of moment in time as well so the technology's there ev- everything's really lining up he definitely doesn't sound like he wants another chapter this sounds like it's going to be the chapter that he wants to see through
0: yeah I agree I think the um when you think about his personal story it does feel like all of those previous journeys have been leading up to this one <laughs> to play on the word like this is the mother of all journeys for him um, but, um in terms of where he wants to kind of take it I think the Some of the points we discussed with him around responsibility and that whole born or created conversation. Strategy being born out of necessity. That kind of problem, opportunity, solution a little bit. But also just the execution part. I loved his, when he pulled it back to agriculture and that notion of like, you can't miss a day because if you miss a day, you've got to wait another year. And that sort of sense of urgency that's in him but also responsibility he almost whether it's the brands he's built or the other businesses or just all of that journey which is quite tumultuous when we sort of talked it through in terms of loss and identity and there's a lot of stuff in there but actually now because of that meeting the moment kind of conversation I think now he's pushing this into what other problems this can solve like I wouldn't be surprised if that mission of what we put in versus how it connects to kind of the planet and climate change at some of those sustainability parts of the narrative. I think you can go so much further. There's clearly more in that mental health, gut health kind of connection that he will want to kind of play on. I think that's what's exciting about all of the different elements that are in this brand, that actually he can align that to some of that personal passion point and his own sense of responsibility and legacy a little bit which I just yeah again I loved that like the unforgiving kind of calendar of like the time of kind of agriculture of just having to kind of hit things when you need to because you're not in control of them because nature is um I found that really interesting in terms of when we think about resilience and responsiveness and responsibility in terms of leadership I think responsibility is a great word. He uses the
1: word Mm. mission a huge amount when he talks. And if you think about Tyrrell's Crisp, so, you know, that started out adversity, which was the margins on potatoes when you sell them direct to supermarkets are just so tiny. He couldn't make it make money. Um, and actually, then he looked around, and you know, when you sell potatoes as a product, you can't make money, but when you create a brand, you can. And I think again, that felt, you know, he talked about the fact that it was, you know, it was going to be, was it Chases chips or 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 uh, Tyrrells, Tyrrells, Tyrrells chips, and and but and then um, when he sold that, thinking about what else can I do? I've got these potatoes. What else can I do with them? And then fermentation um, into spirits. And then obviously that sold last year to Diageo, but actually he'd had the knowledge of fermentation and then took that. So sort of moved on from potatoes, but actually still wanting something, an, a natural product. And, and, and then it sort of felt like a sort of an easy step to the apple orchards. That sense of the fact, you know, the serial entrepreneur constantly looking at the world around them. And I do think, you know, it's the sort of the cultural antennae that we talked a bit about, but constantly kind of eyes up and, and horizon scanning. And, and and it's that kind of the what if, you know, what if we could do this? What if we could? You just came away. I remember, came, came away from that discussion with him feeling that he was just so full of um ideas and opportunities and one of them that I loved was we should be putting the ingredients on the front of packaging mm. not the back for a new generation and I'm like actually that's genius that's a really that's a really clever insight about how a new generation of people are, are relating and looking at food and, and 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 actually I think that's so clever and and nobody's done that yeah um and I just there is a, there is a sense to me, that he's just got this um, kind of fixer mm.
0: personality. He sees something, sees a problem, and then want, and wants to, want... but then knows, you know, the fierce urgency of now and all of that. Like he knows how to execute on it. I think there are there are lots of people who can even, or more people who can identify a problem, slightly less who can kind of translate it into an opportunity, slightly less again who can create a solution, but even less who actually execute. I think he just naturally then has that, which I do think comes back to that being brought up in a relentless calendar (laughs) of not being in control of timings and having to kind of need to respond and be ready and be prepared. I think that that combination is just really fascinating. And I think of everyone we've spoken to, we've seen it in lots of others, but definitely that it was very... Very front and centre in our, in our discussion with him, which I just I found really, really fascinating.
1: I agree, I agree. One of the big themes I think that I took out of talking to Willie and 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 I'm gonna build on your kind of meeting the moment. The meeting the moment of what technology's done for all of us. So one of the things he says is that his inspiration came from all over the world and he talked about being inspired by California and the West coast. And mm. now at the moment it sounded very, you know, really taking a lot of inspiration from, from Asia. Yeah. um, And the fermentation of, you know, kimchi and, and products out there. And he said um, that actually now, because of, you know, because of the internet, it's very easy to educate yourself. And to, you know, he was talking about microbiome, whether it was soil or gut that you can, you can go and you, everything's there. You can learn mm. very easily. Um, and I thought, you know, that, finish the wrap up which is actually the ability the opportunities that we all have now even if we don't know something to be able to to to, to learn mm. in a way that you know even 10 years ago but certainly 20 years ago we we just couldn't we couldn't
0: yeah totally agree the accessibility and opportunity from that that whole education piece brilliant let's go learn more about fermentation
1: absolutely the, uh, the 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 future is fermented
0: thank you for joining us today you've been listening to strat hack with me sarah holland and me amelia tarode founders of the form break collective to find out more visit weareformbreak.com and for more information about today's guest everything we've discussed and how to get in touch with us about this podcast please check out the notes that accompany this episode